Forza! 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 Do the thing! Do the thing! Commanders, and welcome to Lave Radio, episode 109. Uh, tonight, we have um, a rather cut-down crew. Uh, at the moment, there's myself, uh, Commander Phoenix Defire, who is also the chief archivist of, uh, of Lave Station. However, joining us in this rather spacious sidewinder for once, we have our resident bar steward, Commander Psycho Cow Walcott. Good evening. I can't find anyone in the cargo hold. There's definitely no one else here. Um, oh, this is shocking. Uh, hello, I am Chief Barsford, and I'm, I'm just getting some beers from the back of the orange sidewinder. I'll be up there in two seconds. That's not a problem because um, we've we've gone and roped someone else in who is is showing off his ability to multitask. Um, this is Commander Selizen. Selizen. Selezen or Sleezen, depending on which way you want to pronounce him. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Colin. Uh, yeah, all the pronunciations in the world there. Thanks to Sean for that Sleezen thing. But uh, yeah, can I take the shackles off now? Now that you've got me on board. Um, uh, no. Oh, okay. No, no. Apparently, Grant paid extra for that. Chris doesn't yeah. let me touch anything when I'm here either. No, uh, well, uh, that's not surprising. Mind you, he always crashes into asteroids anyway. So. Tonight, for at the moment, comfort and safety. <laughs> That's what it is. Comfort <laughs> and safety. <laughs> or is it your comfort and safety, Grant? We just don't know. <laughs> It'll all become clear. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> anyway, Grant, we'll go round the usual. So, what have you been up to this week? Well, actually, last week was an exceedingly ambitious and busy week for me. I know I wasn't here last Tuesday because I had decided that. Really, I should take a day to recover from doing... And you're all going to kind of go, Oh my God, what on earth are you doing that for? I was doing uh, what can only be described as um, Eurovision podcasts last week just to enjoy the fun and the run-up to the Eurovision contest, which is something I have enjoyed since being a little child and have very, very, very fond memories of some of the ridiculousness of the past and watching it with my father after doing DIY all day and all these kind of things so I've always had it and I've always made it something fun for the kids and the family and we have a little sort of competition to draw a country and see who wins and so last week I was just doing some podcasts to sort of go through all the entries um there was a spectacular parody song that the hosts put on the middle of section of Eurovision where they described oh. 
Did you see it? Yes, it was Peace, Peace, Love, Love, wasn't it? Something like, yes, death like that. Yes, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. fantastic. Really good, really worth looking for on YouTube. Peace, Peace, Love, Love, Eurovision 2016. You will not be disappointed as they go through all the things that make the winning songs and then try and combine them into one massive, perfect for Eurovision song. And the irony of it is... Had they entered, I reckon they would have won with it. Because the rest of the offerings were pretty poor, but it was good fun, and I had that. Um, I've been messing around more and more with the Vive and and trying to get to grips with some of the, the issues that people might run into if they happen to pick one up. And I think we've ironed them out. And these issues are not particularly singularly affecting the Vive. They do have... Uh, an effect on the Oculus 2 so I think we're planning a conclave at some point to do a special VR and talk about these issues and try and raise and help you guys avoid two day headaches that we've all gone through and and I think there's a current issue with the Oculus and its cable quality uh, I don't know if anyone's had issues with it so if you have had an issue with a pin bending in your HDMI if you can get in touch with info at laveradio.com and let us know and we'll come back to and see because it does seem to be and it could just be the fact it's one commander who's a bit spanky handed uh, that could be a factor <laughs> we don't know but if there's other people out there that have experienced that the HDMI pins on the Oculus are a little bit flimsy uh, in the HDMI cable then please get in touch so that we can kind of combine that together and, and we'll give you some advice on how to get it replaced because it's very easy apparently and they're very happy to replace um- it for you Oh, I'm I'm a bit worried about what the phrase "spanky handed" means, and please don't elaborate. I'll, I'll just leave it there. So, care. moving on to an awesome phrase. <laughs> moving on to our, our guest, as you can hear, um, Sullivan. What have you Hello. been up to this week? It's been a busy week, really. It has. It's been a hell of a busy week. Um, as many of you might know, I'm writing the Elite Encounters RPG uh, as one of the tie-in novels that was meant to be done a year, uh, two years ago now um, and I've only just managed to get it to the point where it's ready to hand in. So I have handed in the text, other than one chapter which Colin knows all about uh, <laughs> Hint, hint, yeah <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's all handed in and I'm waiting for a word back from Frontier and what's going on I've had a little bit of feedback so far from them which has been a little bit concerned about the level of detail I may have gone into on certain things that I may not, I sh- may should not have gone into detail about. But we'll see. Uh, the we'll see how that goes. But on the other hand of it, I have handed it out for proofreading to various people who have offered their kind services, and uh, I'm happy to say that some of the feedback that's come back from that has been very positive. Apparently, I write in such a way that makes certain people want to sit in front of the fire with carpet slippers on. Uh, which is quite good to know. Um, apparently, I, I read like a like a like a the way I put it was a National Geographic magazine before they went mainstream. So uh, yeah, so that's all quite positive. So so you technically you're on about in-flight magazine here then. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so therefore, so if, if oh, anybody has a, got a long trip to Australia planned, there you have some prime reading just to get you through. Awesome. As far as myself is concerned, I'm afraid to say, um, <laughs> after the, the revelations of last week, uh, it's been a rather uneventful uh, seven days. Um, a little bit of Elite Dangerous, a little bit of uh, trying to get the system working on, uh, my system working with some of the old 
computer games such as iWar, which for some reason no longer works. But apart from that, um, it has just been testing this uh, 2.1 constantly, it feels like. And that's what we're going to be bringing on to tonight, because at the moment we are in uh, the beta. I'm rushing to leave. I've still got another, let's see, five jumps in a a very massively souped-up engineered ASP. Uh, And hopefully, if there's anybody meeting us, I will hopefully be at the Orange Sidewinder quite soon. However, the main thing that what everybody else has been doing has been testing uh, the patch. And we just had the latest patch tonight, didn't we? Apparently, yes. That's why I've had to update everything. (laughs) (laughs) So... Just quickly, I mean, what has your impressions been of the beta so far? Who's asking? Who, who oh, I will ask... Okay, Dave, I'll ask you. Hey. Um, yeah, funny you should ask me first. I'll be the very brief response, because the sum total of hours I've had on Elite since the beta came out is 0.3. Um, <laughs> plus Lovely. what I've managed tonight for the last five minutes. Um, I've tested it on the other machine, and I've tested it on the main machine, and I... It seems to be a little bit more um, unstable in the graphics side of it. Uh, a lot more stuttering, a lot more uh, graphic glitches, um, and not qu- the, the sound doesn't seem quite as stable as it was before. So I'm not entirely sure if that's something to do with the any change in the width of the graphics, or if it's something to do with me. Uh, but I've, I've not really seen much of the actual engineer stuff yet. I haven't been out into the into the wild and gone visiting engineers and all that kind of stuff at the moment. So I've just not had the time what with the RPG and so on. Mm-hmm. But the, the the little touches that I've seen, um, I quite like the the changes to the docking process, the changes to the voices, some of the ch- the sound changes seem to be quite good. Um, I like the idea of having the the flight traffic controller uh, saying your your ship's registration information. I don't think it's done very well, if I'm being honest, but it's a start. And it's, that's what I always say about the, the new things that come in, is there a foundation for to build up on. And I think that it's a good idea for having at least some kind of customization to your ship's name. It's quite generic at the moment, but I'm hoping that it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve and it's going to develop as, as, the, as the capacity of the game gets better. So, impressed with what I've seen so far. Um, hoping for a little bit more as the, as the beta goes through. But on the whole, like it. I'm looking forward to trying out all the engineer stuff as well. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had very limited beta play. We had some issues with Hutton Truckers where we were required to to get heavily involved in some work in the George Pantazi system. So, unfortunately, that kept me out of the beta. I have started getting into the beta today and giving it a run. Also, having the Vive working with it is spectacular, but I got distracted and spent 10 to 15 minutes standing behind the pilot seat uh, on my third lance, <laughs> staring out the top window, just in absolute awe. It's just one of those things. I'm going to go and get my T9 and see if I can peek down the corridor. That's my my next big thing I want to try. <laughs> so I've not been in it much. I love the the outfitting today. I was buying bits and pieces for my Cobra, and I know it felt a bit clunky and a bit like five clicks where one would do. Actually, it's mm. definitely more intuitive than the original version. Um, and I think for anybody coming to the game new, it's going to be far simpler for them to get to grips with outfitting now, which is good news. Um, 
the other side of things is, of course, that the pictures and the faces and missions are looking great. I've not been able to run many missions in it yet, so I'm going to do that over the, the next week and get to grips with that. I have come all the way out to meet an engineer, and he wants me to hand in bounties, so I'm just currently bounty hunting at the local nav point to do That's so, good. and then I'm, I'm going to head back to him and pick up the um, whatever it is, influence that I need to get and make sure that I can actually have a chat with him and see what he wants next. Uh, I imagine I'm going off down the local fish and chip shop, apparently. That's quite popular <laughs> with engineers. Yeah, apparently f- and fish is is the engineer's food of choice. I just thought it had been pot noodles and coffee. Uh, oily fish is good for you if you can't get out and about, man. Yeah, it's, it, no, it's brain food, isn't it, fish? Brain it's food. For muscles. It's good for the muscles as well. Yeah. So if you're in space and zero gravity, then good for the muscles is what you want. I mean, the other thing, yeah. the other side of the oh. side of that is, of course, you know that you know, the engineers. I'm, not, I'm quite excited about the fact that um, it's a new option for sort of gameplay to give you help, give you the edge in certain circumstances. But the whole crafting side of things, and I know I'm not the only person that feels a little bit. It's a bit. It's a bit yuck um, having this kind of concept of. Uh, going on shopping errands for some stuck-up arse that wants to tweak a couple of wires in one of your bloody units, and, uh, you know, <laughs> that kind of... Is, is this is this really elite? But it really is just an extension to the missions, but you don't get paid in cash, you get paid in kind. So, frankly, I think engineers are the pimps of the elite universe. <laughs> um, and, I, and I really kind of want to try and have a look, and, and I want to give it a fair go, so my original opinion is I could not be bothered with engineers. They don't really excite me one bit. I couldn't give a rat's backside about customising bits of my ship. But I did see Toad Fe- uh, Fiery Toad do a 101.3 light year jump and that could not possibly fail to tickle your interest <laughs> in this game. And you think, you what? That means you could probably make it to... Yeah, to Sag A in, what, 260 jumps, as opposed to, what, seven-odd hundred jumps? That's significant. That's pretty impressive. So, um, and and that is me using Alan Stroud's School of Maths, so you may have to correct me (laughs) on that one. (laughs) And, of course, the other thing thing I was talking about, well, I didn't get a chance to say, was actually the the good, is it good news or bad news? My wife's condition um, is continuing to sort of. We're still making leeways and we're trying to go out. And to me, this is this is bad news. She's still doing really well. Um, <laughs> and and the reason why this is bad news is because on Thursday we're going to IKEA. Oh, oh no! Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I am so sorry. Talk about thrown into the deep end. And oh, this is just terrifying. And I said to her, "Look, don't worry about it. If we get there, you don't want to go in. That's fine. We'll just go home. I won't mind. I won't mind." Oh, but if you don't want to go in, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Apparently, it doesn't matter what I want anymore. Ah, proper I mean, matter. <laughs> yeah, well, was, uh, just can I just add something onto my um, review of the engineer stuff as well? Then, oh, okay, uh, I, did, I did forget. I did forget to mention the outfit and stuff. I was quite impressed with the graphics and how well the graphics have come on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more immersive now. I think that the whole outfitting and bulletin board system just seems to be a lot more. A lot more personal now, and I think that's a big improvement. It is, it's, it, it, it can be a click fest, but I think it is, it's a very worthwhile click fest just to have a more of a detailed look at what you're actually fitting in your ship. Yes. That's it, I'm done. Right, that's done. Now, we're now on the fifth version of the beta at the moment, and, well, 
there, there does seem to be a whole load of fixes that have come in yet again. Now, we're not going to go through them all, because basically everyone else will fall asleep by the time we finish this. But um, one of the things that did uh, pique my interest was one of the things that said was, everybody docked at Jacques Station has retreated to a safer distance. Mm. Does anybody know what that's about? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the, the, the theory behind it is now. I know that they initially, they sent out a, a warning to make sure that anyone docked at the station was aware that they would need to get clear for safety reasons before it jumped. And I thought, that kind of defeats the, the, the sort of concept of what we thought Jack Station was going to be, which was, you know, jump in and go along for the ride was what I thought Jack Station was all about. And I thought there's nothing funnier than somebody who's maybe not aware of what happens with Jack Station being docked up one day and logging in the next day to find themselves miles away from anywhere. And that kind of humour side of that. But I think we are getting into... And this, I don't know if this... Have you got any facts in this column? Do you know... Oh, I do. I do. I, I must. I will admit to leading people on a bit here okay. because the idea, I think, is that Jack Station is going to try and jump to Beagle Point. Right. I, okay. I was aware. I Judging was aware of that. Judging by that silence, you've got no idea where Beagle Point is. Oh no, no, it's, 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 it's ridiculously far. But I just thought you wouldn't tell people because it'd be nothing funnier than waking up in Beagle Point and then thinking, right, how do I get home? <laughs> and then giggling. <laughs> we have. <laughs> we have people waiting at Beagle Point to see if he turns up. Ah, well, Craigie, they're brave as well. I suspected, I and I thought possibly that we might be looking at the next in the sort of trigger points for plot, and that uh, Jack Station may well be making first contact. <laughs> oh, good grief, that's a bit scary. With a, with a misjump. Uh, with a misjump. So it never gets to Beagle Point, perhaps. Yeah, and I think, you know, that if you happen to be in that... Uh, Station. I reckon it'll trigger a massive uh, community goal to get ourselves out to wherever he actually ends up and try and sort of help him survive an onslaught of an attack by unknown crafts. Ooh, that's, that, that does awesome. sound good. That does a nice bit of rampant speculation there. I do like that. <laughs> they would absolutely. Uh, what we do best. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. One of the things that I've actually found really good in this beta has actually been the improvement to the unidentified signal sources. Has, has either of you two seen these now? Um, haven't, no. Right. Well, just to make, make you aware then, um, as, you see, as you fly around, you'll get little um, notifications turn up in your, on your uh, info window saying uh, unidentified signal source detected. Didn't do that before. So you have a look at it. Uh, and if you actually get close and you scan it, so you can be either looking at it through your Vive or, or Oculus Rift or head tracking, uh, and then it will actually tell you or give you a clue about what's happening in that particular unidentified signal source. So it will say something like, threat level 4 detected shots fired. Well, it gives you in a kind of an idea that, you know, a bit of a pirate attack going on there. If you jump in... Then you, if you if you think you can handle a threat four, whatever that is, I've only seen a threat four, and I've had my arse kicked every time I've gone into one. <laughs> but at that point, it's up to you. Get the choice to. Oh, that sounds interesting. I could get involved in that tussle. But on the other hand, you sometimes get these ones saying convoy detected threat four, which I do I believe is very useful for those who would like to be of the one-legged, eye-patched, parrot-wielding. Uh, capability, 
you see what I mean? Zookeeper. <laughs> a, a disabled zookeeper. Disabled zookeeper. Okay, let's let's work on calling them disabled zookeepers from now on, shall we? Blind disabled zookeeper. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. It is going to be one of those nights, I'm afraid to say. One eye. That makes them a winker. Does it now? Okay. No one's no, no one's mentioned that we're all Scottish yet, I've noticed. And I'm, I'm starting to detect that all of our accents are starting to get worse. A worse? <laughs> oh dear. Yes, and welcome to Shrek Radio. And you are welcome... <laughs> Welcome to Nevis Radio, with all the hits from the 1900s. <laughs> oh, Sorry. dear. Before before we stop, we are not going to go into any Stony Bridge jokes or anything like that, because they've all been done better than anything we can do. Come to so. Radio. <laughs> right. Um, newsletter 124. Um, did anyone have a good read of this? Because I... I I thought after all the build-up that we've had, it's been a little bit of a, well, we're just managing the beta here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had a, a good hunt through that, and I know that Ben suggested that the Sandro Samarco from the desk of Sandy, and Sandy is a fantastic guy to listen to in any sort of, of the podcast if he's on them. He's just absolutely, instantly likeable. Uh, his information is exciting, and he always presents it in such a, an excitable way as well. So you always get a good feel for what he's working on. However, that particular section on the newsletter to me was pretty much covering all the bug fixes that are mentioned in the bug um, the dev updates of which there are two so a lot of the things that you you know he's talking about you've you've already kind of seen oh it's in the bug fixes but there are quite a few interesting things of course you know the the whole um, frontier not relying on people getting their backsides out of jack station and therefore either forcibly ejecting them, I'm not quite sure how that worked, um, but making sure that everyone was safely cleared before it jumped. Does that not smell a little bit of using the game fiction to cover up for the inability to make it jump in front of people? (laughs) (laughs) Is it possibly? Anyway, yeah, but so, and then I did... I did also notice that there was a, a heck of a lot of community goal information, and uh, we obviously we cover a lot of that on Hutton Orbital on Thursdays. And I thought, well, actually, we kind of covered all that information too. And it seems that the community goals are being used to to pad out the newsletter a little bit, which I suppose it's is good bit, for yeah. people. Yeah, good for people who haven't seen them or aren't aware. What the heck was that? Just got fired. It was purple and weird. That was weird. It was a missile of some sort. There must be these engineers, pesky engineers. There's another one. Who's firing them? Um, so uh, they've got you. It's, <laughs> yeah, supposedly it's not coming in my direction. Aha! It was this police uh, anaconda. So ah, uh, the, 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 once you sort of go through the bug fixes, you kind of have covered the majority of what Sandy has been sort of talking about. And I know mm. that Ben was super excited about missile updates and things like that as well. So yeah, I mean, they've, yeah, they've, they've tweaked the missiles quite a lot in the last two updates, uh, mostly speeding them up, uh, and, and the torpedoes are now looking and decidedly scary, especially if you're in a bigger ship. So um, that's, one, that's one thing, if, you're, if you are in, a, uh, in an ASP and all of a sudden you see someone turn up, 
in a Corvette. If you are armed with torpedoes, you've now got something to really hurt them with. It just made me, I mean, I don't know if you want to go through some, because I, I went through all the bug fixes and I picked out the ones that kind of raised interesting uh, concepts to me. The, ch- the chat history no longer disappears. I think that was an issue that mm-hmm. people were complaining that if they got a message that not only did it disappear too quickly from their screen, it then disappeared completely out of their messenger window, which meant they could never work out what anybody had actually said to them. So it led them to some issues in that respect. Uh, that was, you know, one of the things I thought. And then there was a piracy flag targets. Apparently, if you are on one of these missions where you're coming in, oh, Ricky, that guy's shooting really badly at me. It's a bit scary. Um, <laughs> if you're coming in for missions where you have to, you know, take out pirate targets, you may find that your um, the underlings, the henchmen, don't register as mission targets, which is fine. You just got to try and find their wing leader and take them out, and then all of a sudden. You've got your mission target there, so there's been a bug tweak there for whatever, I don't know quite um, what the significant problem was there. But Dave, did you run into an issue with pirates and missions? I haven't, because like I said, I've not, I've not actually played physically all that much. I've just floated around safe systems, so I've not really been out there doing much, so I can't really contribute much to that part of it. Sorry. Okay. No problem. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you've they've finally fixed the recipes now, now called blueprint. I mean that that was that was something that I think was a, a little bit of a bugbear for Mr. Brooks, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's another pernickety, and you just know this is this is somebody who's complained that it's a right pernickety sort of uh, attention to detail kind of pain in the backside for Frontier, who clearly reported that when they were firing through, flying through, um, sort of different corporations and different people, uh, government types, that when they were shouting for democracy, he felt that was inappropriate. <laughs> and they've apparently fixed this uh, issue where uh, faction government. Uh, the pesky Democrats don't keep uh, shouting for democracy in their own systems, which is interesting. And also, apparently, there's oh. an issue with being able to take planetary missions um, if you oh, didn't that, have that horizons. Yeah, oh, so. that, that, that was that was weird because I've always been able to see those planetary missions. Although, admittedly, when I first started looking through the mission board, it wasn't exactly clear because you got to the um, you were looking through and you're thinking, "Hang on a second, where's, where's this?" And of course, they've got what looks like a little. Um, Horizon symbol next on, on the mission, which gives you the indication that it's a it's a planetary mission, and the, uh, that was a little bit difficult to spot. Maybe I need stronger glasses these days. It's well, these things when you become a foreign dad. I think a lot of these things are the kind of issues that would cause problems for newbies to Horizons and uh, to these kind of missions in this update, and they're just trying to make things a little bit more obvious for everybody. Not painfully obvious, but just obvious enough to remove that confusion that, you know, some people have gone through already. Which, I suppose, is what Peter's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you two, because you've come late to this, you will not have had the wonderful experience of the of the of all the other pilots doing the Braves are open as soon as the shields are dropped. Oh, no, that, I that took one. on the orange sidewinder. It did it to me, and I thought, this was epic. And then he came flying straight back at me, um, fully <laughs> blasting the crap out of my poor wee sidewinder. So, yeah, I have yeah, seen well, it. No, you you were not on a sidewinder, mate. We saw you. You were in a Cobra. All right, you, uh, it you, was a Cobra. It was a Cobra. It was a Cobra. Your, your absolutely arm-to-the-teeth Cobra got owned by the, by the orange sidewinder, which had us all in stitches. 
Yeah, I may be a bit rusty in the old combat. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody's interested... If anybody's interested in seeing such a humiliation, it is available on Cycle Cow's YouTube channel. I'll just repeat that. It is available on his YouTube channel. (laughs) Moving on. I was too busy giggling at the comments it was giving. It was like giving me... It was trash-talking me, and it just made me laugh. It's so funny, the (laughs) trash-talk that it gives you. Boom, 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 with all the hits, late radio. Oh, dear. Yeah, I must admit, I, I mean... It is quite amusing to actually see these things, and you suddenly realise, well, it's not me flying that thing, it's flying, it's too good. So who have we got on our crew that could fly that well? Definitely not any of us. <laughs> Must be that Commander Renclet we've drafted him in, finally, as uh, leave, radio, leave stations, fighter pilots. <laughs> Uh, although, no, this was actually one that I found very useful, because last time I was here in uh, next to the Orange Sidewinder, I got attacked for no apparent reason uh, by a hitman. Uh, and apparently that was a bug. Um, it says, stop hitman being sent after a player for no reason whatsoever. So, uh, there we go. We had we had a live bug happening during the first live radio of this uh, of this beta. And I, didn't, I never even realised it was a bug. I thought I really had pissed somebody off. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> happens quite often, surprisingly enough. I don't, I don't know. Why. No, yeah. I imagine that for a second. <laughs> now there, there is one thing that I'll, I'll, I did see. Um, now, when they are actually firing missiles, um, do missiles actually give off heat when you fire them? Then, so it gives away your position. Because the, the, yes. one of the, the little bug fixes that they put in here says half firing heat from missiles. Yes, I just like do. the idea. Yeah. Of, I, I just love the idea of someone in a massive missile boat firing all their missiles at once and watching their ship slowly melt from around them. <laughs> I think the, you know the fire coming at the back of those uh, torpedoes and missiles melting the ship behind it. That's kind of funny. But yeah, that was one of the. That was definitely one of those uh, fixes that caught my attention as well. Just thought that's quite. The, now they've not eliminated the heat effect. They've just tweaked yeah. it. Oh, yeah, can you just imagine that? A, a fully kitted-out Corvette just full of the biggest missile racks it could have. And it'd just be like, fire one, Commander, and then that would... Whoa! Yes, that that would be quite scary to come at in your direction, I would have thought. The missiles are looking really cool. I mean, I've just seen, you know, purple missiles firing out. Uh, combat looks really different with the engineer input, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a positive... For yeah. the for the two point one update is that things are looking prettier. How that's going to translate to people who don't have Horizons, who are playing in the you know the one point six version updates and things. Obviously they're in beta just now, but when we're all together and you fly into a system and you meet a Horizons pilot who's got souped up weapons, that you haven't got a clue why you're getting hit with purple shields and green missiles, and you're just sitting there on your wee ship going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> so, if you haven't got Horizons, seriously think about it. Seriously think about it. Landing on planets is awesome, and although Engineers, to me, is a, an update that's taken an awful long time to arrive and doesn't seem to have the fleshed-out attractiveness of an update that took that long, obviously, 
work continues on the next updates and they may well be that eye candy that exciting factor that will tick your box and make the seasons worthwhile and bearing in mind that if you're sitting back and waiting for such a time that it justifies its cost you're missing out all the time in between you just have to kind of nail your flag to a cross and hope for the best in these games and I know that that's not something I can say to people who it may well be a significant cost to because you do have to justify these things and I have been hit as I'm sure many of us have been with kickstarters that have yielded the most uh, pathetic return for your investments so I think Frontier is a safer bet in my opinion and I think you know if you're if you're missing out on this and you've just been sitting back waiting for something better to come along you might want to get in and take advantage of the time that it takes to get used to these features before the next big thing comes out that does spark your interest and then find yourself way behind the curve. Well, in my, in my opinion, I think the two updates that we've got so far, Horizons and this Engineers one, I think that does prove a value for money for the present price point. Now, we know that um, it's an upgrade of, uh, what, £25 at the moment? That that's I doubt if you could find an MMO with a yearly subscription that cheap where you get this much content no you're probably right I mean I think landing on pirates is one of the I know it seems a bit empty but I think it is a significant and an amazing update in its own right Horizons is spectacular the screenshots alone that have come from Horizons have totally and utterly shaken this game to its core with those beautiful SRV shots against the sky and the stars and things against beautiful sunsets and things amazing work so definitely worth it in my opinion but that is my opinion (laughs) so shall we take a quick break and uh, when we come back we will go over our little discussion of the Rise to Power Dangerous games we buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is... We take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. Are you struggling with paying fines? Do you lose sleep in hyperspace worrying about docking at the next space station? If the answer is yes, then you need to call Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services. I got scanned while in Federation space and was caught carrying slaves. It was an unexpected expense that I couldn't afford on top of my fines for damaged course whilst docking. We can help you consolidate all your existing fines into a single large fine, payable in regular instalments at what is almost a competitive interest rate. I called Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services and they helped me pay my existing fines before I got a bounty on my head. They really saved my life. At Cowell and McGrath, we've helped thousands of pilots whose fines had spiralled out of control. I dared not go near a police star system. got so desperate that I'd almost resigned myself to a life of piracy. Luckily, I found Cowell and McGrath's services before I actually murdered anyone in cold blood. No fines too big, no criminal record too damning. 
we're here to help you, no questions asked. Find us in the Lave Business Directory. I'd got into debt as a result of a massive counter-lawsuit by Watt and Pritney. It happened because I'd taken advice on Python protection insurance from... Wait a minute! It was you! Carolyn McGrath. Minimum liability, zero accountability. Warning, balances may go up as well as down. Missed payments may lead to repossession of your ship, seizure of cargo, or the issuing of a death warrant. And welcome back, Commanders. And just as I was saying before, um, about masses and masses of, of, uh, uh, of missile racks, Commander John Flint has just attacked the Orange Sidewinder with as more missiles than I can count, and they're all purple. It's very, very impressive to see. It's nice also to see the rest of the, everybody in Lave Radio just deciding to take him out. That's very nice. Uh, he does, he does seem to be to holding do. his own, though. But in the meantime, we will discuss uh, one of the things that has been happening in the background of, uh, of Elite Dangerous, and that is the rise to power Dangerous Games. Now... I must admit, I've been a little bit out of it on this one. So, um, Grant? Rise to power! The Dangerous Games. <laughs> yes, um, the rise to power, of course. This is the unique and, some say, ill-thought-out opportunity for people <laughs> with player factions to get their player faction into power play. Now... Uh, I've noticed actually just something. They've moved the stations so that when you're requesting docking, you actually have to scroll. They've essentially killed my auto docking script. You swines, Frontier! How can you do this to me in pizza? I can't dock by saying request docking anymore. Uh, hopefully that'll be fixed. Anyway, I'll feed that one back. So, yes, powers. We all know power play, or we don't. We all play power play, or we don't. Uh, it's one of these things that it is the marmite of the elite dangerous universe. Some people love it. Other people hate people who love it. It's uh, been... <laughs> Divisive. It's been exciting. I think you know when we did it in the beta for PowerPlay, we all gave it a good shot. I found it to be a bit Postman Pat Simulator, where you're just delivering post from one place to other. It is the quickest way as a new player to find yourself at the wrong end of another player's lasers. It is again a very good way to make fifty million credits without actually having to do far too much once you've put in all that hard grind and graft and that is the key word for power play it is definitely a grind but it definitely has some benefits to you as well as you know making you part of a group of players following for whatever cause it is whether it be Alyssa uh, Lasagna um, or whoever the new powers are going to be so uh, it was recently announced who the powers were going to be, and then of course there was like well, there's five factions in total going into the dangerous games. Where the uh, it's going to be a series of community goals, where each different faction has a community goal that is theirs, and they have to beat another faction to complete their goal or complete their goal to a higher tier than the other faction, declaring them the winner of that round and going through and so on until one is the winner of all. 
And that was all very interesting and exciting. That's coming up soon, so keep your eyes open for that because you can help uh, play a group that you like and get involved by doing the community goal for them. And if you, there's not really so much a way of just stopping other groups' community goals, so it really is a case of the more people that pull in the same direction, the quicker that faction can claim victory in their community goal. And that's, I think, how it's going to turn out, because there's not really a way to counteract a community goal as yet, hopefully, and I really do hope that Frontier brings something in where you can actually empty that pot as much as fill that pot up. But that's, you know, for the future. And um, the, the wonderful aspect was that there were a number of what they call wildcard entries. And these were player factions that wanted a shot at it, but didn't quite hit the criteria to be automatically put through to the battle in the Elite Dangerous games. And just about a week and a bit ago, if if not just a week ago, they opened up the public vote for people to um, actually vote for their wildcard choices. So we had a number of commanders, another, a number of player groups that were in that. The one that I was aware of uh, was, of course, the um, Akinara Immortals, who are one of the wildcard potential entries and all of them are vying yeah. now to to be picked to be that last slot filler to go forward to the dangerous games and fight for their right to become an actual power in game and the results were released today and the winning player faction which I'm not familiar with the EG pilots but they managed no. to take 25.5% of the votes and therefore are going forward successfully as the representatives of the wildcard entry for Norway Nilpois and will be singing... <laughs> no, I'm getting confused again. Uh, yes. So, the EG personnel, um, Akinar Immortals Coalition, they were 7.3%, the Blackbird Squadron 107 United German Commanders, I know them actually, 9%, so they did not bad. Adel's Armada yeah. Coalition, 15.3, and the Wolves of Junai in second place with 15.5. So it does look like quite a landslide victory for the EG pilots, and congratulations to them. And so hopefully we've, got our, we've got our six uh, factions that are going to try to become a power, and they are the EG pilots who have just reached the, the wild card. We've got the Alliance Elite Diplomatic Corps, now, I know some of these guys. They're actually quite good. And unfortunately, they are very well organized. So uh, I'd watch out for them if I were you. Uh, we have the Border Coalition. Is, is that inspired by Wing Commander 4? I, uh, it, I got a sneaky <laughs> suspicion it might be. You could be um, to help got, for that one. <laughs> oh, good grief. Oh, no, he mentioned something that's, that's something to do with Chris Roberts. Quick, hang him. Right. <laughs> uh, we have Galcop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback to the past and a half, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, be- I believe this is this is where people are are finding this unpleasant. <laughs> this is where people have the issues. This is where they think that this is ill advised and ill thought out. I'm just going to clear this end this uh, docking pot and let someone else land for a second so that I'm not holding it up because I'm it's quite a busy instance and I'm not doing anything with the engineer at the current second. I've just handed my down bounties in. So. The big issue people have is there you have a prime example of where frontier lore is directly in contradiction to player-made content. So here we have players uh, actively saying, no, 
we want to see Gal Cop back. We don't want to see this uh, Gal Cop disappear, so we're going to make it again. And of course, Frontier of the Right to obviously say no, but it wouldn't be you'd be criticised for not allowing true player choice if they did. So they kind of made a rod for their own back in that front. So some people find that that is a bad sign that players can override what Frontier want. And of course, if they have, have the numbers... Got some, I've got some news on that, just to interrupt you there, sorry Grant. So when no, you finish this, I'll, I'll, I'll pipe in. It's, right. um, I've been talking to some of the guys in the forum who've come up with this Gull Cop idea. Because um, there's, there's been a whole kick-off about... Um, other people being called lore masters, where that's my name and my title and my job. So I've been uh, haranguing people about their incorrect use of that title. Um, and during all that kerfuffle, a couple of guys in the forum have got in touch with me and said, so what is the, what's going on then? What do we do? And what they've decided on their own back to do lore-wise is they are quite happy to say that they are not the Galcop. They have named themselves in honour of Galcop and are trying to re- reignite what Galcott was about and try and sort of bring it back. They're not the original Galcott, but they're trying to bring back that idea. So it's not going in, it's not flying in the face of Frontier's lore per se, it's building on it and creating something else. Well, yeah, so I mean, it's kind of, kind of like Galcott the Revenge. Uh, Galcott 2, the second coming. <laughs> <laughs> the return. It's the return. yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually a lot of the player factions there, the Diamond Frogs and and uh, can't remember the other ones that are involved in that at the moment, which is just because my mind's gone blank. But they're all good. For, you know, we've played well with them as hunting truckers, and we've enjoyed being interacting with them as well. So it's not that they're they're not they're trying to re bring in something that's good. That's a quite a positive step. I quite like the idea of Galcop being back and, and players having Galcop marked on their ships and, and out there doing policing duties and stuff. That's quite fun and, and interesting. Mm. But there's, you know, people that are talking about the fact that, you know, you give a player group powers and they slowly start doing what the the goons and uh, we go back to EVE and players controlling systems and shooting any player passing through that system that's not aligned with them or and, and in fact hasn't even got a power and isn't playing in power play but they just decide this is our system and you're not coming through it and it's that kind of enforced gameplay that p- makes people feel a bit sick or when there is a clear group of 26,000 so for example if Mobius wanted the eradication of male pilot avatars and <laughs> petitioned I'm just trying to think of something you know, randomly and 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 not you know not particularly <laughs> you know offensive yeah. offensive yeah thanks and then that is the kind of thing that you know you could do and then they've got the weight of player balance behind them to make enough of a noise in the forums and the accusations are always that frontier cave to that kind of pressure which I don't particularly think they do but <laughs> if you do have that amount of uh, lobbying going on then it's very hard to sort of turn a, a deaf ear to it and you have it's difficult to have a, a development team that are able to have this sort of strength in their own vision that they're not willing to compromise it just down to sort of public pressure so there's an awful lot of concerns regarding this kind of involvement of player getting involved in a level where they have an intrinsic ability to affect not only the game but the future development of it and I think that's where people are worried about this being the start of a slippery soap Yeah, because slippery soap is very difficult in the bath, isn't it? Slope, not soap. Oh, he said soap. He said soap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other two groups that we should mention are the Interstellar Communist Union. Now, 
not trying to be stereotypical here, but are those the Russian guys? <laughs> I, I had this horrible feeling that the, some of the Russian groups had got together and called themselves the Interstellar Communist Union. And we finally have the social ELU, ELU Progressive Party. If anyone can pr- and, uh, correct my pronunciation of social something or other progressive party, feel free, because I'm, I'm, I think I need a tongue transplant. This one doesn't seem to fit anymore. So, we do seem to have our six factions. What's the next stage? The next stage in the six factions is the going forward to the Dangerous Games, where they're going to have a series of these community goals, and pit each group against each other group, so there'll be pairs. Uh, I believe it's pairs anyway, uh, where pairs will go up and they'll have series of community goals, and depending which one reaches the top tier fastest or the highest tier uh, by the end of the time limit... Then goes on, and it's, I'm not sure if they're doing it as a knockout or a league system yet. Um, I've not stumbled across that information, but I imagine it may well be some kind of knockout stage at some point, leading to the last community goal winner to be the power! The power! And have all the power! And then be interjected into the jello. Oh, incidentally, I did the vibe and looked at Power Map, and I was right, it is like living inside the Blumange. <laughs> Have you actually managed to take your Vive or Oculus and go in to visit one of these newly enhanced ice rings yet? Because apparently, from what I've heard, that is absolutely stunning to see. I've not. So there's, there's something, something on your to-do list, I gather. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, I think it's something. Ice ring. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finish RPG graphics, go see Ice Ring, get milk. <laughs> get milk. Oh, well. Everybody seems to need milk, especially blue milk, if you go to uh, Leasty. So, so I think, I mean, what's, what's everybody's opinion of this going into, into power play? I mean, is one of the f- other factions going to drop out, or are we just going to have a brand new power? I think that was the way they said it was going to work. There'd be a top ten powers. Mm-hmm. And some of them would drop off the bottom if they weren't popular enough, and then others would pop up. I think these, these new six, or whoever it is that wins from these new six, may get added to the list, and then we'll drop another one off the bottom. Whichever one's crap will be replaced by the new one, or the new ones. Yeah. That's that's the way I understand it to work. Yeah, it, yeah I'm, what- I'm not sure. I, don't, I mean, I think, you know, we could do with more powers and spread them out, so... Um, Ah, see, I, I'm a, I'm an absolute sucker for the background sim. The background sim is just so engaging and and so not Postman Pat Simulator. This ah, I just I really I, I, Powers leaves me a little bit cold and a little bit nauseous, um, a little bit noxious. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another that's story. Not just the powers grind. Yes, uh, <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the curry. And um, I think you know that if they have. I think they could do with more powers and, and spread them out a little bit more because it does make it difficult for people who aren't involved to get through some of the older systems where there's maybe some meaning to the system name, like getting to leave and getting to that and, and having to navigate through powers. Uh, it does have that negative side of things which is being pitched against players when you're wanting to go somewhere. You know, you just want. Yeah, oh, I'll go and see an ice ring. Cool. Oh crap! It's in a that that amazing ice ring happens to be in Livinny controlled space, and I can't go there because they'll shoot me on sight. And and it kind of has that negative effect, I think, to gameplay. It doesn't. It makes it more exciting if you like PvP, absolutely, and in fact PVE. 
Yeah, I completely agree. The power play does add some things to certain people's game, but it's not my cup of tea, and it never has been, and it's not something I want to take part in. I think when it first came out, I spent about 15 minutes in it, pledged to a power, and then instantly got enemy status at my home system. Uh, I thought, no, I'm not doing that. That's just making everything too complicated, making everything too hard, and I don't want to go through a grind just to get what, at the end of the day, is a particularly meaningless reward, and then have to do it all again soon. So, yeah. Well, I've I've always been of the opinion that the powers um, section is the equivalent of the elite end game. That's when you've got your triple elite and your 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 cash to burn, and you need something else to do. So that's when you you sort of gang up with a whole load of mates and say, right, we're going to support this power and get involved in the politics at the high level. Um, personally, I think uh, it isn't for me just yet. Um, I've still got a whole lot of things on my to-do list before I can uh, uh, before I get to that point. So moving on, we come across the community corner. Uh, now we've only got three things to cover this week. We have the uh, official FDev damage stats for every weapon by True Silver. Now this is a fantastic resource for uh, people who would want to know exactly what every gun does. I, I think that's has anybody else seen this one yet? No, it would have been very useful about three weeks ago. <laughs> Can't yeah. see that, uh, no, no. No. Oh, dear. Um, well, he, he's gone through, I think, all the different weapon types uh, painstakingly through uh, the uh, the outfitting screen. And if you want to know what, your da- what everything does, then that's the place to go. You'll find it at um, on, on the Elite Dangerous official after damage stats for every weapons. It's a, it's a, a forum post, a forum thread. Uh, and if you really need to know what these things can do, then um, well, it's actually as of 2 uh, Elite Horizons 2 2.1 he hasn't actually integrated yet. So, uh, But if you want to know how much damage these things do, pop over and have a look at that. I mean, the next thing that we have is that Mr. Brooks has been quite busy. Uh, (laughs) He had a lore interview with DJ Truthsayer. Now, did you have to manage to catch that, Selizen? Um, Unfortunately, no, I didn't. I've not had a chance to catch up with that entire thing. And it is one of the things on top of my list of things to do is to watch that and then start picking fault with it. <laughs> oh, Grant, did you catch this one? I I did. I saw some of it, but um, it was again. Uh, I was caught up in too much last night to sort of sit down through. I put it on today and thought, yeah, I'm not paying attention to this. Uh, I know the lore is quite an interesting thing. Michael Brooks, of course. Uh, I think I think Dave, you don't have an issue with Michael Brooks being called a, a sort of lore king, do you? No, no, I, I have every issue with it. I'm the lore master. He is, he is, <laughs> he is but a mere shadow of my lore knowledge. But is he not able to sort of, you know, basically upset you by overriding what you choose? <laughs> he can, but that doesn't mean to say that it changes what's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I'm on the same page as you now, I understand. <laughs> There's been a no, lot of lore, a lot of lore, lore masters um, revealing themselves in recent months. Yeah, revealing themselves to be idiots. I, I, I suppose I'll, I'll let Michael Brooks off. He is obviously going to be the the font of all knowledge at some point. 
Um, and obviously he does have the sort of say whether or not the lore that goes into my book is the lore as it was. So it is one of those things that, yeah, Michael's okay. But everyone else, you know. DJ Truth Serum himself and Mr. Wagar have both tried to claim the title and they've both been told in no uncertain terms that, nah, it's not happening. Sorry. No, you, you, if you want, you, if you want to you, print you, yourselves at the, at the Teenage Historical Society, then you apply like everybody else, and you come up through the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it is, it's interesting because there's a lot of people out there that are are not familiar with the the run up to the original Alpha and the original sort of uh, point when there was no lore. There was just what was in your head and Mr. Stroud's head and in the conversations that you were having with Michael Brooks and, and to some extent, of course, David Braben, who would be the yay or nay or of whatever you were suggesting and the work that you put in in those early stages while everyone else was just chomping at the bit for throw us a freaking bone, please. Please tell us what's happening. Tell us what happened in the time between the last game and now. Is this still here? What do you mean there's no Galcop? Who came up with that idea? Who took away Galcop? Cut. Right, that's it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the long game and I'm going to get a group together and we're going to get our Galcop back. Uh, and then they did. You can tell you've got your soundboard back, can't you? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... I just remember those days when it was like there was no information, so there was a number of us coming up with our own stuff, <laughs> just making crap oh, up. Twenty years worth of stuff. This has been one of the most difficult things for the RPG as well. Has been obviously over the last twenty years, I've written quite a lot of lore about the Elite Universe, and in my head, it's kind of cemented into one into one shape. And then along came the writers' guides and the process for writing them, which threw everything that I knew away. And then, made, and then when I submitted my Galcop document to David Rabin, he went, ha, 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 no. Um, so I had to do it again. F. And so I then had to rewrite it and submit it again, at which point he went, ha, 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 well, actually, okay, we'll maybe let this one go. And then he did a, a kind of an, another draft of it himself and put that together, and that became the final document. So it was kind of beaten up and su- beaten into submission and then reforged again and that's kind of what went into the RPG as far as the Galcop lore is concerned so yes, it's a very precious thing for a lot of people because I, I know I'm not the only person that thinks that way about the, the little things in people's heads that they came up with and obviously people like Drew, people like uh, Graham, uh, DJ Truthsayer and everybody else in the community have all came up with their ideas of how Galcott worked and how the lore changed between 3140 and 3300 and all that sort of stuff. And it's interesting to see all these different people's points of view and the little bits of story that they come up with and the little bits of lore that they've come up with themselves and then see how far away or how close it is and how diverse that that area is. And uh, the diversity of the, the imaginations of the elite community is a whole topic I could go into for an hour. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I believe we have now submitted the Docker script for approval by Michael Brooks to be added to Elite Dangerous Lore. <coughs> wow. That's scary. <laughs> and if, if they approve oh, yours God. and don't approve mine, do you, I'm going to go down that office with a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, I think to be honest, it's, uh, that would be a definite day you'd want to be a fly in the wall. Day <laughs> that anything Dockers gets approved properly in in Elite Dangerous. That's it. I'm leaving. That's it. Just keep your RPG. Give it to Winard. He can write it. 
<laughs> but you know, it is it is that fact that everyone has their team, their own little slant, their own little wants, and player back at, um, minor factions is a nice way of people to have their little corner of the universe and their own little uh, lore that they can create themselves and 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 play to whatever ends that they want it to be. And I I find you know with the hunting truckers we've done that with Live Radio Networking game we've not really done it to that extent because we're not that kind of uh, group anyway it's more about the acknowledgement of live radio in the game which is an amazing thing and we couldn't be prouder to be included as part of the game which is just amazing it is just amazing to the, the frontier can engage and and essentially it's not like press gang people but it is kind of making them feel obliged to play it for the rest of their lives if that makes any sense <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Every single time it gets to the point where I'm there thinking, oh, I can't do another T9 grind. And they just put a little bit out and sort of say, well, you know, we've got this, this thing called coming up, which means you'll be able to fly little fighters in your T9. And they're going, what, remotely like Carrier Command? They're going, yeah, something like that. And that's where you're going, I'm never, ever going to leave this game. <laughs> because um, when I'm down on the planets and the SRVs, it, it is very similar to Battlezone, another one of my favourite games. So, um, th- this is, at the moment, one of my... Uh, <laughs> it is my go-to game. You know how sometimes people have this as a as a secondary game, where they go off and do some whatever the flavour of the month is. I end up coming back to this one first first off every time. I've been, I mean, I've, I've actually have been um, struggling a little bit. I'm just going to try and crush this SRV in the docking pad beneath me. Let's see. Oh. Right, okay. Have you just squished a commander? I'm trying to. Oh dear me! I've knocked him out of the way. Right, so yes, um, it's it's a game that you, know, you do have your your ebbs and flows of the game. And engineers isn't the thing I'm waiting for. I, I am absolutely um, try and get me off the damn game when we get lava planets and when we get uh, atmosphere worlds. I am just going to be hooked to the elite to, again. That's that's my particular hook. I'm desperate to see that. The interesting thing about the planetary landings is, of course, we've got No Man's Sky landing in the next couple of weeks. So that does land planetary landings a bit too quickly for my liking. And then I've seen the video of Star Citizen's planetary landings, which is pretty spectacular. However, Kerbals has that wonderful heat haze on, on entry that Star Citizen didn't have and whether they've not applied it yet that's what's going to make me happy I'm going to be, you know, giggling away with a smile that's six foot wide watching the cobra tips of the cobra going glowing red and the the, the sort of haze coming up over the canopy and then the flames as you break your way through the atmosphere that's what I'm desperate for that's going to make this game just this <laughs> is SRV wheels on my windshield at the moment. Let's see if I can lift off with them. Nope. I didn't quite squish him enough. Let's see if I can get him up and then drop him from some quite considerable height. <laughs> That's your challenge, Grant. You've got to get the SRV on the roof of your Cobra or whatever you're flying. And then you've got to fly up to orbit height and then drop him. You think that's possible? He's just fallen off. Let's have a look and see if he survived. Aww. Yes, he did survive. Right now, I'm going to land on him. <laughs> Missed. Right. Oh, dear. I can see so, his shield's going blue. 
Well, one of the final things that actually it ties into what we've been talking about is that there's been a Reddit post by um, Commander Prime One or Primus Primeski, and he was he was there saying that he actually enjoyed losing his Python so that he could start all over again from the Sidewinder. Now, what? Grant, I know you've done this. I know I've done it. Can can you can you sympathise with what he's saying? Do, do, you can know, do you can you understand why he's happy? I know there are players out there uh, that have you know reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering them. And <laughs> although in the game they can't turn to being a swinger, the, the, the sort of natural progression for a lot of people is they just love to jump into a small ship and just go out there and do some combat. I know that the best fun that, uh, I think it was Skiprat and a group of commanders, including Vanti Un, did was they all jumped into unshielded eagles and went to res sites and just unleashed hell and as a collective they were unbeatable and they loved it. It was it sparked their enjoyment of the game tenfold. Uh, I'm having difficulty because the grind is just, I can't face it. I want to do something fun and having a vibe here does give me that kind of... Uh, Oh, cricky! I've just realised there's a countdown. Um, having the vibe <laughs> uh, does mean that uh, I don't feel the... I don't... Oh, what's going on here? Why is my... Okay, there we go, it's better. Uh, the, the vibe means that there's fun stuff I can do that's not elite, so there's a distraction there. Um, yeah. And it's difficult to justify, because I, I love the T9 grind in trading, but I can't get really? back into it, no matter what. I, I, I don't know why. I, I hated trading for years in Alpha. Didn't do it. I was just constantly doing PvP, but I was getting nowhere. And then I got the trade bug, and I just kept trading, and just kept trading, and I loved it. It was great fun. And yeah, uh, I, 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 and the T9, the challenge of turning a T9 is, is the fun. Well, yeah, certainly I'm finding out uh, how difficult that uh, big, ugly, fat fellow can be. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I must admit, I am actually having a bit of trouble with the T9 grind, which is why I've got on the side of a, 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 a vulture. So just every now and again, I can jump into the vulture and just relieve uh, the tension that's been building up from just the the constant trading. Um, the the main problem that I have with it is, is, is it just seems at this point between the T9 and the next big ship is such, such a big jump. They, they kind of yeah. need something in between but that's, in order just what, to keep you going. This is where the appeal of wiping your save comes in because you just feel that you've hit a, a plateau and you cannot get past it and you may have some hangovers and you suddenly have learned what the heck, my ship just went backwards for no reason it must have been me, it has to be me <laughs> oh the pedals work, <laughs> I didn't know they were working um, <laughs> that makes sense now so uh, yeah, it was it was very much a case of that people tend to feel the the need to just ah oh, I'm just going to start again. I know that Commander Human, uh, although that was because he lost a bet, but you find yourself getting back to where you are quicker, and you have the enjoyment of that. Uh, uh, 
what would you call it, the, the sort of early grind, the making money as quick as you can, and it becomes a different way of playing because it's all about getting into a big ship as quick as you can uh, with what knowledge you know and the skills that you've got. And it just adds that certain back to the, the old raw kind of, uh, here you go, I'm a down-and-out pilot, down on my luck, and I'm, I'm to scrape my way to survive. And then when you see pirates coming in a wing, you kind of think, oh gosh, uh, I could lose everything here. And you've got that fear factor back. And when you're sitting with three, four hundred million credits in your bank, you're like going, oh, look, there's pirates. Oh, man, they're doing damage. Did I jump out? I can afford a five million rebound. You become a ponch, you know, you become a, a real... Um, <laughs> A real kind of, you know, a uh, lazy pilot. and uh, A laissez-faire kind of pilot. <laughs> I think the best yeah. phrase would be on that one. Yes, probably correct. And um, <laughs> it's one of those bits where you just lose the edge. And I think that, you know, a lot of commanders are finding that they can reignite their, their passion for the game by putting themselves into a position where they actually are, are fighting um, and fighting hard. Can I show so show off some missions? Says Dark Avenger. Yes, I will go and have another land, and I'll get you some missions up. But yeah, it's it's an exciting uh, way to reignite. It's an extreme way to reignite your interest in the game. That's for sure. Uh, and I feel too attached to my commander to be able to do it. Um, I don't know about you guys. Would you consider a wipe, or are you too attached? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm far too attached. Far too attached. If I had a second account, that would probably be my um, Iron Man account. Now, I I do know Michael Brooks wanted to put in an Iron Man mode where basically you lost your ship, that was it. You had to start over with a Sidewinder. Now, that that would have been something. But um, I must admit... When, when you've got this far into the game, the, the thought of losing everything that you have built, it gives me the screaming heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I completely agree with it. That's why, that's why I bought a second account. Not necessarily to do the Iron Man thing, but to, to have a, an account I could play with and muck about with and cancel out if I needed to. Selizan's my main character, if you like, and that's the one who's going to have a life in this thing and he's going to have a story and all that kind of stuff. Because that's me, I do stories. And the other character, Roswell Putin, is going to be the, the one who gets wiped and loses all his shit and then has to do it all again and then try different things with so. Are you going to use that as kind of a storytelling um, commander where you're going to have a feeling that you know that they are a role playing situation or is it just you know for the wait, my other commander's busy at the moment and I'm a bit tired of doing whatever it is he was last doing I'm going to leave that for a wee while and come back to it at a future date or is it just you know that that second command so you can have some fun and not feel that you're risking your 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 sort of original self so to speak kind of a combination of all of them i think selizen's the character um hence why i call myself selizen that is my in-game character name and it's the the character that i play if you like um ross putin is essentially the guy who's gonna He's there because if, if Selens is off doing something story-related or something that's going to end up being in a story at some point or in my own narrative in my head, then if I'm doing a stream or I'm doing something that I need to do in, in the core systems, then I can do that with that, with that pilot. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's one thing I kind of missed from the... There was a rumour going around right at the very beginning. I know that Frontier never confirmed it for about the multiple commanders you were supposed to have... Some for some reason people got in their head that we're going to have three commanders per account, uh, and you know that's one thing that I do miss 
is the fact that, you know, I've got an expendable commander to experiment with. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I suppose I could go out and buy another one and wait for another Steam sale or something like that. But um, right at this moment in time, um, <laughs> I don't think I've got enough time, spare time to actually do another commander. Do you know what was irritating? We were realising after I bought the account that I was going to have to buy Horizons again, I was going to have to buy Beta Access again, and I was going to have to buy all the skins again. <laughs> oh, you're over a barrel now, aren't you? That's it, and and I have gone and done all that. <laughs> so I have a, I have one account that has access to everything, no matter what happens in the future, which is Selzen, obviously, and one who I'm going to have to basically buy everything for if I want to try and keep up. It's like I mean, I had one goal for this week's stream, which was to do some screenshots of the bigger ships, while I've got access to them in the beta. Problem being that in order to be able to do that, the second character had to have access to the beta. So guess what I had to go and buy? <laughs> um, so, a bit... I was a bit annoyed about that, because obviously... <laughs> um, come on. Thank you. You're I'm docking at the same time as well, are we? I'm trying to navigate at the same time. I'm trying to pick stuff from maps. I'm trapped in an endless orbital cruise again because I turned too quickly when I was trying to get off the planet. And of course, the amount of people playing engineers means that ah. there's a huge amount of instancing issues when you try and land at uh, Trophy Camp. So, my mistake. Whoopsies. But yeah, I mean, I think I would be. I, I wouldn't. Again, I've, I've lost Psycho Cow a number, uh, twice, I think. First time was when I rolled my ass with Imperial Slaves with every earthly possession in it. And it busted me back to a free sidewind, and I thought, oh well, let's go for it. But because I've been playing the complete and utter arse pirate, um, when I undocked from Shinrata, they blew me out the sky. And I realised quickly that my rep was so bad, I couldn't get out of the free sidewinder. <laughs> so I had to wipe and start again. And that was fun, you know, again, it's it's an interesting sort of learning curve. And then I think I had another issue which was to do with uh, playing the game wrong or getting the wrong end of the stick and, and making a complete arse of it. And so therefore it was quicker just to go wipe and start again. But yeah, um, I have been busted back in this particular commander and I haven't had to wipe it or anything. But I, I've been busted back to a sidewinder in this account as well. And clawed my way back up relatively quickly back to where I was, and it is quite satisfying. So yeah, if you if you're feeling it, you want a holiday or you you want a wee break, and you know, give it a go. It does remember it does wipe your rep and everything, so you do have to start from scratch. It doesn't mean that you get to keep your ranks or anything; they're all gone, and you just have to work hard to get yourself back to where you were and it is a bit heartbreaking it does make you question your own sanity and when you have the <laughs> options on the screen of your free sidewinder and nothing else, you do have a little cry, you do log off yeah. you do go away and sit down in another room rocking softly in the corner with the lights on, <laughs> with all your family around you asking, are you okay, is there anything we can do and you can't do nothing but whimper and then two minutes later you go back and you go, suck it up <laughs> just press the button, Man up, princess. Ooh, let's get back into it. <laughs> yeah, there you are, uh, rocking away, crying your eyes out, and all of a sudden you realise it's just pretend spaceships in a computer. Yeah, and and then oh, there goes all immersion. Damn, that's the thing though. It's it's it does become a bit of a way of life, doesn't it? This game. You you. I know what I'm doing. I'm probably going to make myself sound really fucking silly here. Sorry, language. But um, it does become that kind of emotional attachment to it. 
um, you get into it and you play it for so long and then you think, yeah, I've, I've put a lot of time and investment and money, and especially money, into this character, into this game, into this universe. Especially when you sit, when you're not playing the game, writing about the game and thinking about the game all the time. <laughs> and then something happens bad in the game, you think, no! And you forget just kind of what it's, what it's, it's about. It's a game. You, you, <laughs> you forget that your life is outside this screen and it's just, yeah, it's a game, basically. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from that, but especially when you're eating and breathing stuff, like when we're developing the, the vehicle combat system, yeah. and then you suddenly wake up and you sort of think, now that we've got past that bit, I'm there going, there, there is a world outside, <laughs> and it's nice and sunny at the moment. What a, what a good way to actually pass winter. Are <laughs> you going to say pass winter? Well, yes, but winter, uh, winter has gone. He's, th- he's thinking Docker scripts again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh please don't! Don't make don't make me go there, Mister Grant. <laughs> Game-related question for you guys. I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the station safe zone at the moment, right? If I mm-hmm. if I log off this account and then log it back in again, will I still be in roughly the same place? You'll be um, within eight kilometres of the space station. Awesome sauce! Right, I'll do that. Then that's if I want to launch the bloody thing again. <laughs> Uh, uh, one thing that I have actually noticed, I, d- I didn't know if anybody else has, uh, knew about this yet, um, is that the, dis- the, uh, the navigation beacons now have a significant purpose, as, as has the, the uh, basic discovery ch- uh, scanner, um, or any discovery scanner actually. Um, the idea now is that um, if you have a point of interest on a planet or you're after um, a specific target on an assassination mission, or you've flown into a system that has a navigation beacon, but you don't have any navigation data about that, you fly to the navigation beacon, scan it with your discovery discovery scanner, and lo and behold, information will present itself, uh, telling you where you'll find your point of interest, telling you where your assassination target might be, and more importantly, it will populate the entire of your system map with everything that you need. Mm-hmm. I must admit, um, I've found that invaluable in the last couple of uh, last couple of missions. And I think it's something that's not been highlighted or hasn't been tested um, or, or seen to be tested yet. Uh, I just thought I'd highlight that because I think that is a very important addition because mm. it's one of these um, signpost thing that uh, David Braben was has been on about uh, about his, what he considers to be a failure within Elite Dangerous is the fact that there's enough, not enough of these signposts to point mm. at where the content is. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that one out there. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think it's good same. For the last what two years, we've played the game wrong. No, I'd, I'd say for the last two years we've been playing it with one eye covered in an eye patch, and now we've now that eye patch is uncovered. Well, you just and we just leave the disabled alone. Yeah, they're going to be writing <laughs> in in their droves next week. <laughs> Colin, don't let him present again. Keep bringing up these disabled zookeepers. It's not fair. I'm all for equality. That's why I'm bringing them up. <laughs> it's about time they got the attention they deserved. Awareness. I'll be doing a 24-hour stream to support their cause next month. Dear Live Radio, I'd like to complain. I am a zookeeper at Chester Zoo, and these people are just blatantly offensive. 
They've never been poked in the eye by a monkey. It's not fair. It's not fair. I can't even pick my nose. Oh, no, I don't quite know what... No, that's not, <laughs> not relevant to that. I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, well, one of the reasons for um, having you on, Dave, was um, to allow you to kind of pimp the RPG. There might be people out here who are not even aware that there is an elite RPG what? in production. Is yeah, I, know, I know. It's been... How long since the original Kickstarter? Oh, don't ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it was March. Was it the end of February or start of March that the Kickstarter finished? And that's 2013. So it's been three and a bit years. It was supposed to be a year. I, I failed. I can't do <laughs> estimates. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue how much work was involved. And all my Kickstarter backers now hate me. Some of them gave up. Some of them have resigned. Some of them have just walked off into the sunset and walked into the lake. Um, some of them don't care anymore. Some of them just say, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, Dave. And some of them just keep clicking like, whatever I say. I could say this week's RPG news is that I've painted my bottom blue and it's now part of the game. And they'll go, like. Awesome. Which is good. There you go. Just not the That's something new for the Docker script, isn't it? <laughs> Baboon Dave. There you go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so where, where are you going with this, Colin? He's back in the zoo again. He was born letting go. <laughs> so, I mean, the I mean, the upshot of all the the, the RPG is that um, we've now got a paper and pen version of of the game. Yeah, tabletop one, one one for a few beers round at round a round at a mate's house. So I start at the beginning then and do a, a whole advertising spiel for what an RPG is and how it works and how it can tie into the game and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can if you like, because um, uh, I think most people who play this game know what an RPG is, but I'm not quite sure if they actually know what a tabletop RPG game is, because my I've actually just had they're a, all too young. I've actually just had a question on my own chat that says what's an RPG, but I do think it's someone taking the piss, so it's fine. It's dark smack, you know what it's like. Yes, yeah, there you go. So, once upon a time, after Kickstarter was, was completed... You started work on the RPG. Now, just to give us an idea of how much work you've put in, what's the word count? The word count, approximately... Um, hang on a second, I'm just being told that I'm quite... Oh, it's bloody Chiana's geek again, whinging about the sound. Oh, not him again. I haven't got the <laughs> microphone set right up. I'll do it. It's set right up now, it should be fine. Um, the word count... Well, shall I start a little quiet... A, a little sort of before that? The, the, the word count's one of those things that is quite a, quite a reveal... Yes. So uh, what I'll say is that an RP- a tabletop RPG is essentially a role-playing game where you take on the part of a character. You have a, a chap who sits with you, or a chap S, whichever. It's not a it's not um, a sexist game. Chapalata. We have <laughs> a games master and some players. The games master will make you up a story that you can play along with, and the players all take the part of one of the characters in that story. So you're essentially doing a bit of acting, a bit of role-playing, a bit of... Um, bit of this, bit of that, really. It's, it's a bit of fun. You have some dice, you have a pencil, you have a role-playing game uh, book, and you have a character sheet to write all your stuff on. And you also have some vehicle stuff, which Colin knows very well. Um, in order to be able to accomplish all of that stuff, an RPG source book has to contain a lot of different things. It has to contain the background information and the scene-setting stuff for the universe that you're going to play in. Now, obviously, this is based in the Elite Dangerous... Sorry, in the Elite Universe. So the, the remit has always been to try and cover the area of all the different Elite games that are out there, so Elite Frontier, First Encounters, and Elite Dangerous. 
Um, so there has to be enough information in there so that a GM and some players can get a kind of feel of how that universe works, what it feels like to live in that universe, what it feels like to play in that universe, all that kind of stuff. Um, at least as much as you can. The rest of it you have to fill in with your own imagination. So I, I can, in the RPG you kind of write the framework for where your games are going to be set, where your story is going to be set. And you also include rules, uh, a bit of dice information, a bit of stats and all that kind of stuff for the characters you're going to play so that you can roll dice and do actions. So obviously you, you only role play so much. You, you, you can't role play firing a laser at someone's head. You have to roll dice to do that because the police might take umbrage to fire a laser at your friend's house. Um, and obviously there's things like personal combat, there's vehicle combat, there's all kinds of different scenarios that you can play through that. And the, the book has to contain all that kind of stuff. Now you can use the computer games as a bit of background information as well, um, but that's very much a secondary thing. The book is aimed at people who want to play a role-playing game but not necessarily have to play a computer game in order to get any enjoyment out of it. So they will be left up to their own devices to make up the universe that they want to live in themselves. So with all that in mind, all that stuff that has to go into the book, so you've got equipment lists, you've got vehicle specifications, you've got character generation rows, you've got the actual main system and how it works, um, technology overviews, histories, timelines, all that kind of stuff. It all weighs in at a rather... Uh, a rather daunting 243,000 words. Wow. Your now average that... novel is about 70,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think the average elite-sized novel was about 100. So we're yeah. talking full, two full elite-sized novels here that you've managed to pull off in, in two years. So it's a equivalent of, a, of an elite novel a year, then? Um, essentially, yeah. So I've... I've when I started this off, I thought to myself, when, when the writer's packs came out for the, for the Elite, um, Elite Dangerous Kickstarter, uh, one of the things I thought to myself was, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to write a novel. Because I just don't have the discipline to be able to write 100,000 words. Yeah. Well, where am I now? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's obviously had, it's, it's taken its toll. We've all seen it taking its toll. Uh, how do you feel now that it's it's got to the point where it's out of your hands, so to speak? It's not finished. That's the thing. I mean, the, the, the text has been handed in and is ready for um, approval. And it's about out to for proofreading. But that's sort of like 98% of it done. Um, there's still the miniature rules to finish off and write up. Uh, there's still some content from you to come in, Colin, that used to get written up and sort of graphics designed for. Um, and there's still a lot, a lot of graphics to do as well. So I need to design the cover, which is almost done. Um, I need to design how the internal pages are going to look. I need to do the actual layout stuff and make it look like a proper book rather than just a, a document, <laughs> a word document with some pictures in it. Um, and then obviously do some final formatting and obviously incorporate all the editing stuff that's going to go in as well. So there's a lot still to do, but it is a huge milestone to get the, the text actually sent off and, and ready to be proofread and everything like that. So I'm very, very pleased that that's done. <laughs> well, add, I mean, sorry. We should just add. There's been a number of uh, live radio RPG content um, we have put out. I think there was three outings. We did two, maybe we did three with you, Dave, and then we did one with Chris Jarvis uh, on his 24-hour stream, and mm. we had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it does come down to our role-play games are for some people and aren't for some people. You know, 
if you find that you need a counter and a, and, and a, ru- a set of rules that are, are very tight then RPG might not be for you but if you quite fancy being able to say you were playing Cluedo and you thought no Colonel Mustard you are not getting me with that lead piping I have brought my special tin helmet and you're going to need to roll two sixes if you want to kill me and add that <laughs> element of being able to sort of you know, fight back in a, a game where you wouldn't be able to then that's what RPG is about it's about having fun with your pals and if you want to listen exactly. to some of the, the live radio ones we had an absolute hoot uh, with the Elite <laughs> Dangerous one it's just it adds that ability of actually being I know that the game doesn't let you be a hero but the RPG absolutely lets you be a hero or a sex robot we're not going to go into that <laughs> no, don't no. get me started no no don't <laughs> don't 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 not again <laughs> or an, an insane maniac who makes bicycles out of people's thigh bones yes so it just it just it just is an open world, and of course it all comes down to your GM. And if they are as amenable and as much fun as Dave Hughes is, then you cannot possibly fail but to have an absolute cracking giggle. And of course, the more ridiculous you are, and then the more likely the GM is to well making whatever it is you're trying to do become quite fatal. And <laughs> that's one of the fun parts of it as well, which I love is the fact that you know you think you're being really clever, and the GM thinks no, you're just being a smart arse. Let's 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 make sure you're <laughs> fully aware of exactly who's in charge of this game. And uh, I love it. Um, and unfortunately. It is one of these things where uh, it's really hard to to play role playing games if you've not got people with you. You That's know, to, to actually play it makes it very very tricky. <laughs> That's interesting. I've managed to, to do to a delivery meter uh, delivery of data without docking. I didn't know I could do that now. Oh, that sounds something new. I mean, we have had some success. Um, broadcasting some of our <laughs> some of our playtests of the vehicle combat overline, um, and that's actually been quite amusing, especially when you didn't believe I was rolling the right rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Dice are the biggest problem in this game, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you have to um, include that kind of random luck element, but it just sometimes it's not lucky at all. <laughs> it did seem to be that way. You didn't believe that I was rolling them right in such a way that you actually decided to set up a separate camera just so that you could roll dice on the stream to make sure <laughs> that I wasn't cheating you. And what happened? Uh, my dice were worse. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's one of these things. Now, Dave, here's here's a, a sort of more of a, po- a poignant question. When um, people, when your your RPG is out for release, where will people be able to get a hold of it? My house. You'll, you'll have to come to my house and buy it from there. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, in, initially, um, it's going to be from my website, which is daftwatch.co.uk slash elite RPG. I'm going to set up a web store on there. I'm also going to submit it to Amazon and places like uh, what are they called Drive Through RPG is one of the biggest uh, RPG shops in the in the world. Um, I'm also going to start looking at other ebook selling places that will stock it as much as just basically anywhere I can get it on there. So Google, I'll, I'll probably try and get it on Google Google's uh, marketplace, uh, but definitely Amazon. But uh, I'm going to that will all happen once I find out exactly what the final format is going to be. So hopefully that should all be done by July. Excellent. So we'll definitely be able to see it at LaveCon then. 
Hopefully. That is that's the, that's the intent. I mean, that that was before I got the deadline through from Frontier, wanting it by the first of June. My plan had been to get it done by the first of July, um, so that I could have I'd have enough time to get everything wrapped up, sent off, and then actually start taking proper orders for it. And then hopefully by uh, LaveCon it would have been on the shelf and available to buy. But I forgot to add into that time for Frontier to approve it, which is obviously why they brought in the. It's not why they brought in the, the June thing, but it's probably just as well that they did bring in the 1st of June as a deadline because that gives them enough time to get it proofread as well. So, and are you looking forward to its final release then? Honestly, yes, I am. I'll be glad. This has been so much a labour of love and then a labour of hatred um, <laughs> because it's just dragged on and on and on and on. I mean, I, I know a lot of people out there who've talked to me about it have, have been quite annoyed or quite upset that it's not been out when I said it was going to be out. And that I've missed about five or six different deadlines that I've set for the for the project. But there have been so many different problems in getting this in the, getting this book out that I'm actually thinking about writing an autobiography for the last three years and publish that as well. Um, to show just just the amount of different things that have happened over the last three years in relation to the game, in relation to the Elite Universe, and in relation to my own real life TM as well. That it's just become a bit of a weight around my neck at the moment. I just want to get it finished, I want to get it out there, I want to see if it's as good as everyone says it is, because I've, I've had nothing but positive feedback generally. Um, I've had a little bit of critical feedback from certain people as well, which has been more useful than anything else, because I, I prefer the honesty. If something's wrong, I want to know what's wrong so I can fix it. Um, but the amount of rewrites, the amount of self-editing, and the amount of ups and downs that it's gone through has been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, my wife hasn't seen me now, or as of, as of today, she hasn't seen me in the evenings for about five or six weeks because I have spent every waking minute either at my day job or in this little cupboard in the broom closet in Daffworks Towers working on this book, 5pm till about 1, 2 in the morning uh, just to get it finished and get it out there. Um, so in in a sense, it's been bad for me, but it's been good for the project, this, this sudden deadline that Frontier have set on me because it has made me focus on what needs to get done and put everything else to one side, including health issues and wife saying, I never see you anymore. Where the fuck are you these days? Um, <laughs> um, and trying to get other things, like obviously housework and so on. You know, we're, we're, we're all sitting in piles of shit at the moment, so, you know. But how am I going to feel when it's done? Relieved. When it's out there, it's going to be a relief, but it's also going to be so nerve-wracking. Because that's when the real feedback's going to come in. That's when there's going to be things like reviews from people that don't know me um, and who maybe don't have that slight feeling that they've got to be quite... They've maybe got to be delicate with it, you know, because obviously they know it's been this long in the making. They know the trouble I've gone through to make it. They're obviously trying to be a bit kind of maybe nicer than they would be normally, but I don't know. I mean, the people I've given it to proofread have, have promised to be honest. Are you are you aware of this thing called the internet? This is absolutely so well known for people being nice on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, that's the thing. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want the negative feedback. If there is negative feedback, I want to know because obviously th- this is the first time I've done this. People have trusted me to do this, and I've never done it before. I've I've read and played RPGs since I was sixteen. Um, I've been a big fan of D&D, a big fan of Traveller, a big fan of the Star Wars RPG, Star Trek RPG, Vampire, Cthulhu, Warhammer, you know, a wide range of different games that I've played. And that was the basis for which I've started doing this project, is that I've got a, a good knowledge of RPGs, I know what I like, I know what I enjoy playing. And much like David Braben said for the Elite Dangerous thing, I wanted to write the game that I wanted to play. So I wanted a nice, simple rule system that wasn't difficult to learn, it was quick and simple and 
someone pointed out to me that the, the banners I've had made for the game, I think, say easy five times, uh, which is a bit of overkill because but that's that's the concept I've always gone for. I mean, I, before I even did this, I was I was designing board games under the brand of simple games, um, some, something you could pick up and within an hour you'd be good at it. You know, the easy to learn, difficult to master type thing, yeah. and that's kind of what I've gone for. And that's I want something that flows nicely so that the the system doesn't get in the way of the actual storytelling. And you can do as much as you can just by telling the story to each other and acting it out. And hopefully, once you get to be very good at it, you can then leave the dice rolling in the background and just play it as a natural narrative. And I think I've done that. I think I've actually managed to do that. Yeah, um, I think I'd, I'd agree with that. We have a, a question for you, Dave, from Dark Avenger really? 1234. Hello And there. he's asking... I'm being attacked by kittens that are trying to suggest that possibly <laughs> they want some food. Um, he is asking, <laughs> will there be any special editions or things like that, or were they all part of the Kickstarter, and has he missed out? There's not going to be special editions as such. There is a pledge shop on the, on the RPG website, which is daftworks.co.uk slash EliteRPG. If you just do a search on Google for Elite Encounters, it's probably one of the first things that will come up on there. But there's no special editions as such. You can buy copies, electronic copies and print-on-demand copies are available at the moment. And then obviously once it goes into full production, if it's successful enough as an e-book, then it'll, it'll get put, back, put out in proper, hard, in proper paperback and maybe hardback as well. You just have to see what, what happens with it. But yes, you can still buy it. It's still available. Um, you can pledge for it or pre-order it, whatever you want to call it. I think it's probably better to call it pre-order now, isn't it, rather than a pledge? Yes. Um, so that's one of the things. That's one of the things I'm trying to get my head around at the minute is getting a proper shop designed for the for the website. So rather than using the the very quick and dirty PayPal buttons that are on my website right now, it'll have proper store on there. Ooh, we also have another question for you, Dave, <laughs> and this is from Watcher. Uh, Mindwipe has just asked a question as well, which says, will there be an audio version? Mindwipe? What the <laughs> heck? The thing, that's, that's Sorry, that's, that's not the question. <laughs> I can actually answer that one. There, are, There is actually scope there for an audio version of some of the parts of the book. Because um, I think I think it was Drew was saying to me that the, the background stuff reads quite well. And it's like, it's like as he, he was the one that said it was like settling down with a pair of old slippers to read a nice story. There's quite a lot of background stuff in that, and if, if that is something that people would enjoy listening to as an audiobook, then I'm sure it could be done. So One thing that did cross my mind was like was like a sound effects catalogue CD or something, but because that's a Frontier thing, it's their sound effects. It might be something I would have to clear a Frontier first, but it's something I would love to do. It's like a CD or a an MP3 stick of sound effects you could use it during your game sessions. It would be an awesome thing to do. Yeah, what you need is a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Elite Dangerous Galaxy then, don't you? Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. That would be that would be more than awesome. Okay, the question <laughs> I was meant to be asking you there until Mindwipe's what I thought was ludicrous question came up, but apparently not. Apparently not. Mindwipe, you're forgiven. <laughs> there are no bad it's, questions. Well, that's that, I could change your mind on that. What is asking uh, is all you need the rule book. Uh, I think he's saying it's eighteen pounds. Do you also need little models? Uh, I can answer that one, but I'm going to let you. The big plan for this book was always to be that the only thing you would need to play this game would be the book. Um, the book and everything that comes with it. You, you, you're buying the book, and within the book's covers, if you like, it will be a set of counters you can print off and use. Um, there'll be measurement things, templates, uh, information cards, everything you need to play the game, and the miniatures, not the miniatures rules, that's Colin's thing, the vehicle combat system, which is the tabletop, uh, board game type thing um, everything will be included in the book so 
you won't need to buy anything extra. But if you did want to buy the miniatures, then we have the rules which are completely compatible with the role-playing game, so that the the idea being it, it, um, if you wanted to use the miniatures rules in place of the RPG rules, you could do, and vice versa. So, you know, it's... it's I think so that opens you itself up if you had a, a long-running game that you were playing the RPG game, you could see that as being, you know, you have a point where the, the games master takes you up to the brink of a, a super large space battle, and then you call it an evening, and then you come back the next time for your next game session, and it's the miniature rules, and you're using your models to resolve the space battle, and then coming back the following week to carry on your characters as the results of all this has unfolded and carrying on. So it, it just adds that inter- locking gameplay that if you enjoy the model side of things then you can get involved in and really have uh, that side of things too I mean I think we've I've seen a number of sort of the the the, the space battles gameplay where it, it's quite different to think about your ship movements from a human brain point of view when you're trying to give commands as to what you're going to do with your ship, because obviously when you're flying the game in-game, you pull the stick and you do. You don't think, right, well, I'm going to want to do this manoeuvre and I'm going to want to do that. So I think when it comes to the role-playing point of view, I've not seen the, the most recent developments in your game rules, but it's very difficult from, from my point of view. It's like, well, I'm going to make the ship go forward, but that's not how ships move. And it'd be interesting, I don't know if you want to sort of, have you managed to incorporate a kind of more fluid movement of ships in the RPG? In the narrative rules, no, because the, the narrative rules, it's all done narratively. You can use the vehicle combat system rules, which I've developed with Colin. Um, if you want to have a visual representation, and that's what they've been designed to do. But if you want to take it out of your head and onto the table, you can do that. Uh, but the primary reason for having the um, the narrative way of doing it is that it can be a storyteller's tool. The GM can narrate what's happening with the enemy ships, and then the, the players can narrate what's hap- what they want to do with their ships. And obviously dice rolls will be made on both sides, and you can do that. So, does that answer your question? Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, I think we we had uh, a lot of fun with with the uh, the ship combat, and I remember watching. Uh, I think it was James Vigor uh, attempting to use the Cobra in a confined docking bay as a weapon <laughs> to squish the guards that were surrounding them, and relatively yeah. successfully. And that must be one time as a GM when you're cursing dice rolls, thinking, "Please, please, miss roll this one. I want you to squish <laughs> the rest of your team." <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was. It was fun. That's the thing. That the, the narrative part of it can be a lot of fun, and that that kind of out of the box thinking is exactly what makes a role playing session so much fun. If everybody sticks to the rules and sticks to what can happen in a computer game or what can happen in real life, then it's just no fun anymore. But when you get people who come up with, I mean, that was amazing. What what James, the, the the guys came up with on that idea, exactly the sort of thing that you want to do. So you are at a little bit. Currently, then, uh, of a loose end, would that be fair to say? No, I'm still <laughs> fucking busy. Like I said, I've, I've still got um, about 50 different bits of graphics I have to do. Um, and I've still got the... Uh, colour again. The, the, the VCS. Hey, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, my website seems to be broken. Oh, I can't too edit many anything. People, too many can't people edit. trying to find out. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I was meant to take the loose leaf rule book stuff off of there weeks ago, and I've still I've not taken it off yet, and I'm trying to take it off now, and I can't because it won't let me log in. Oh dear! It, it does appear that Ben is now complaining. It wasn't Vigo who did this. He is claiming credit. That was it. Yeah, I, for I didn't squishing think it was people. Viable. That's why I stopped saying James when I started saying it because I knew it wasn't James that did it. Well. There's no, there's no need for sending me rude messages like that, Ben. Thank you very much. Did <laughs> <laughs> you kiss your mother with those fingers? No, wait a minute. <laughs> no, he's either, de- he's either demonstrating his IQ or his sperm count. We're not trying to work out which. <laughs> so. <laughs> ah, so, I think from the moment, uh, we'll go on and see some shout-outs and see how everybody is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben just decided to to enunciate again. We'll just ignore him. So, in-game, around me, at Leave Station, I have an awful lot of commanders. I have Commander Anderson, Commander Archenbaust, Commander Archizoind, Caretaker, oh my goodness, Amadord, Damon Themorpal, no idea, do apologise. Dissington, Hawkus Alpha, John Flint, who has been flying around in a Corvette, firing off so many missiles. It's unbelievable. But he's lost two Corvettes already tonight, which has been quite amusing. And Commander Mindwipe. Thank you all very much for uh, for joining us outside the Orange Sidewinder. Um, who have we got in the chat room, Grant? We have got Penguin, Academic Dust 894, Akin Boust, Babster, Dazook, Lenin, Tea Time, Chris Stone, Doctor Sinister, Galactic Men, Mark Dis, Nopple, Theosis. We have Ripped, Shanira, Slow to Life, and Starion. And on the wonderful, busy, 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 busy Twitch channel, we have got uh, 4GI4. Academic Dusty and Forwarded him Basalt, Chiz121, Commander Azirin, Commander Brusilov, Commander Flint, Garrick, Anderson, <coughs> Avenger1234, Declared Som Somnium? The Chartered ja- okay, yeah. You with the D and the GAs and the T's and the R's <laughs> and the J's. Dread to Dread 2002, Garzini, Gene Starwolf, Huchen Harkehauka, Faust, Ice422, John White, 2000, Cano Magnus, Casey Hicks, Laga, Laguna Hunter, McCoy Elite, made by Rihanna, ooh, mark this, oh. Mech Shadow Beast, Maidenthrope, Mindwipe is there as well, Nano Machina, uh, S3, a biscuit. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sea biscuit. There we go. Sea biscuit. Shaniri Renali, Snevis, Stephen Usher, Sticks to Forty Two, Thomas eighteen oh five seven three, Euros five, whoever eleven. What chap? Uh, X pains and Zad Nost. There we go. Well, um, Dave, is there anybody you'd like to say hello to in your channel? Um, in my channel, uh, who's on there? Can I just yeah, ask a quick, a quick question? Somebody, um, Angel Penshar asked a question a little while ago. Well, it wasn't really a question, it was a statement saying that you can RPG over the web and that Roll20 is very good. I just wanted to point out that we have used that before and when uh, it was mentioned earlier that Lave Radio did a bit of a, did a few sessions with it with me, uh, that's what we used to do it. Um, did we record that as a video? No, we didn't, did we? It was just a, it was just a stream, it was just a podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think but we if did you go Twitch on, one. Did you do a Twitch one? We did. I don't think one. you guys did. 
Although I, I must admit that was the Vigor sessions were were on Twitch. I don't think I did a live radio one. Mm. Anyway, no, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, we've used Roll20 before. If you want to see the Elite role-playing game running with Roll20, then if you look at one Vigor uh, website, that's O-N-E, not a, not a number, O-N-E-V-I-G-O-R, um, his YouTube page has some streams that we did on there. If you look on my YouTube feed as well, which is HughesD73, H-U-G-H-E-S-D-73, uh, there's also the RPG stuff that I did during my 24-hour stream, which also used Roll20. So you can have a look and see how it works on Roll20. It does work. It's, it's very good, and it does, it does add something to it. Um, and it does prove to me that the RPG does work over online gaming as well. So that was that, anyway. Uh, so people who are watching my stream at the moment are uh, Angel Penshar, as I said before, Dark Smack, Fagwin, Fagwin, sorry, Galactic Midden, Garzini and Stephen Carey. So thank you for watching, guys. Appreciate it. Can you give a shout out for your stream identification so people can who want to want to follow your uh, Twitch streams can subscribe to you? Oh yeah, I do that as well, don't I? Yeah, yeah. we're trying to <laughs> give you a helping hand here. That's all right. I'm, I'm very tired. I've, I've been awake for three weeks. <laughs> um, uh, yes, my stream is uh, Twitch.tv/Selizen. That's S-E-L-E-Z-E-N. Uh, that's it. Yeah, uh, my website is daftworks.co.uk. My role-playing game website is daftworks.co.uk slash rpg And my inside leg measurement is 36. It's not really, it's 29, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. On those final notes, that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at Lave Radio. Facebook slash Lave Radio and at Lave Radio at Twitter. You can join our Discord chat channel by going to http tinyurl.com slash Lave Radio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where the commanders hang out for a chat on laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Lave Radio is reco- recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 20.30 GM, well, British summer time at the moment and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. Well, thanks to Dave and to Grant and to all those commanders that have been flying around and trying to shoot the Orange Sidewinder. So, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. I think I've just, just found a pair of Foz's pants in the cargo hold. Oh, oh, no, eject them out of the airlock right now. Oh, my God, no! Slipped in a space station cargo bay, thinking of suing for compensation. Well, don't. Try to take my ship commander to call for a fertilizer. Is your you thinking of suing him? Is that like someone having an orange inserted? Need a safe word. Space can be done.
promise. No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back.